The one thing that I would tell a business owner is start the conversation early. If you can find your advisory team before you're ready to sell and start discussing the things you can do today on your business so that when it comes time to close that deal, you're prepared, you've got a clear strategic goal, you've got a compelling investment thesis, starting early before the deal is about to close is only going to create money. It's only going to create extended value for your business. This is Bob Rourke, Business Leaders Podcast. Today's guest is Aaron Linnebach. He is the Managing Director of Raincatcher. Again, Aaron, thanks so much for coming on the show this morning. Bob, thank you so much for having me. I, always a pleasure to talk to you. Well, we have a little history. We've shot at a few birds here a little bit, and so it's, that's a good thing. So I've seen him in the field in his natural setting. <laughs> For lack of a better term. Hey, I tell you what, Aaron, if you would, tell us a little bit about a Raincatcher, what your role at Raincatcher is, and then I think your backstory about how you kind of came into this field is really interesting. So, Great. Yeah, absolutely. So Raincatcher is a business broker and M&A advisor for small to medium-sized business. So we help just deliver it to you in, in our succinct form. We help business owners buy and sell remarkable companies. That's it. So we exist to represent sellers when it's time to go to market. My personal role in that is, is frankly incredibly exciting. I get to spend all day, every day working with my team and working with our business owner clients to help shepherd that business through the process of getting ready to go to market, pulling the trigger and going to market and navigating all of the uncertainty in that path and then successfully closing that deal. It is an incredible honor and an incredible privilege to be a part of that process. You know, for us, it really boils down to kind of four main value add activities that we take. The first is emotional. It's a big deal to sell a company. It's a big deal to sell your business. And it's not all about the numbers. It's not all about the P's and Q's. Oftentimes, it's about the heart as much as anything else. And so we help navigate that part of it, help take the mystique and the mystery out of selling your company. The next part is educational. It's making sure that business owners are smart on what they need to do today, what they need to do tomorrow, and what they need to do the day after that to successfully complete that objective of selling the company. And then the next one is strategic. That's where we really differentiate ourselves is being able to take a strategic perspective on the overall life cycle of your business and why now is the right time to go to market. And then it's tactical. It's the blocking and tackling. It's the boots on the ground grind of crunching the numbers, telling the story, putting together marketing materials, contacting buyers, negotiating on your behalf. And at the end of the day, you take all of those things together. And, and what we really do is we serve business owners. When a company comes to us and says, guys, I'm thinking about selling, our response is great. Why? It's not great. Let's sign you up and get the process going. We really try to dig in and understand the motivations behind that. And that, that, that tucks in actually to my personal story and the slightly circuitous path I took to get out here. I actually started in the family business doing, you know, small time. My education is in accounting. I've got a CPA license, you know, hanging on a wall somewhere out there, I think. But I started in the family business. We owned and operated group homes for people with developmental disabilities. It was a great business. I worked in that company for about five years of the 25 or so that my parents owned it and got to help work that to a sale. But being a part of that team really gave me the insider's look into 
a day in the life of a business owner. And it can be incredibly rewarding on one hand and incredibly challenging on another hand. And I'll tell you, walking arm in arm with my family members as we tried to monetize the business that they had built was incredibly eye-opening for me. And it really sparked a passion in me to, to move into the role I'm in today, which is helping small business owners, helping them get through that path of going to market and successfully closing a deal. So, you know, it's an honor. It's a privilege to be a part of that process. It's emotional. It's heart level for me. I and mean, I've been fortunate in my career to move both from the, from the corporate side into big company public accounting at, at a big four firm. And then from there into deals. And now for the, about almost the last 10 years have focused 100% of my time and energy on helping businesses prepare for and go to market and, and successfully sell their company. It's a ton of fun. I love doing it. It gets me out of bed excited literally every single day. You know, I, I think about the journey of, of, of getting to work in a family business, report to your parents effectively, then take and watch the emotional journey for your folks as they say, you know, we're going to take in and plan on selling the company. And then for you, you know, you see it go, go to transaction, watch the emotional behavior of your folks post-sale. Was there anything surprising that you noticed as your folks got closer to closing the transaction? There were far too many surprises to answer that question, honestly. You know, without diving too deep into the specifics, what I'll say is we as an organization were not as well prepared as we should have been. And the unfortunate truth is it costs the shareholders money. We were not able to get a valuation that I think was more appropriate for the business had we taken some steps early on. You know, specifically, it's things like making sure our accounting records are complete and accurate and consistent. It's making sure that our key management team is in place and incentivized to stay in place after the sale. Even making sure that the right people on the team are involved in the process of selling the business. A lot of times business owners, and we were guilty of this, business owners have this concern that their management team is going to panic as soon as they hear the word sell, you know? But the reality is what I found with most business owners, when they collaborate with those key personnel, when they take steps early on to shore up the financials, shore up the story of the business, it makes for a better process. A business, someone who's going to buy a company, Bob, they're not coming in to buy what the company did yesterday, right? They're coming in to buy what it's going to do tomorrow. And so for sellers, thinking about creating an enterprise that's easily transferable to a new owner, that's going to create a ton of value, but it takes preparation. It takes preparation. And so we learned some hard lessons there. And I've seen other businesses learn some hard lessons, but you know, that's one of the things I, I, I try to help my clients avoid <laughs> in the future. You know, th there's that old statement, tuition is expensive, right? And so, you know, paid tuition in the transaction, you know, it's, you know, for the business owner, you know, that's listening and they go, all right, how do I know if now is the right time to sell? You know, what do you tell that person that goes, should I wait? Is this the right time? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, there's an answer that's relevant for today. And then there's an, a different answer that'll be relevant in a couple of years from now. Let me explain that. So business owners that are coming me, to me today asking that question, how do I know if the time is right? My response right now in, at the start of 2021 is the time is right right now. You know, we're in an environment where we've had about a 10-year run-up in private company valuations. We may not be at the very peak from a valuation standpoint. I don't know exactly but we're certainly near the end of what's been a very long economic growth cycle for privately held businesses. 
So that's one thing. You're never going to nail the top of the market, but now is an opportunity to kind of get close. The other part of that is because of the stimulus package passed by Congress and a couple of different iterations, there are some additional factors in place that's helping deals get done more easily. So if it's a deal, for instance, that's going to be an SBA insured loan, an SBA loan to go buy a business, which is the most common way to buy a business under about $5 million in enterprise value. Right now, the SBA is waiving the guarantee fee. Ordinarily, that's two and a half to 3% of the total price of the deal. So they're waiving that. They're also making the first six payments, principal and interest, on any acquisitions completed before, I think it's the end of September 2021. So collectively, those represent anywhere from anywhere from 3 to 4% of total enterprise value up to about 6% of enterprise value. That's just a discount that's going to buyers, which means as a seller, there are some opportunities in place for you to get a little bit more for your business right now. It's a little easier to get it done in this environment. So that's the immediate answer to the question. The reason that answer changes over time is because it's unique to every business owner. What is the right time to sell? And I'll refer back to the question of why. The first question we ask when a business owner comes to us is why do you want to sell? Understanding the motivations is incredibly important. And there's this, there's this thing floating around in the ether. I, I'm sure, I think we've all heard it. It's the, the die at your desk type. You know, We've all met the business owner, the executive who says, Sometimes as a badge of honor, I'm going to die at my desk. Mm -hmm. And for some folks, that's it. And, and that is a real goal. And I commend them for that. But I think that for most of us, when we sit back and think about the concept of dying at your desk, there's a lot of things in life that we have not done if that's how it ends. You know, there's a lot of things we've missed out on. And so business owners sometimes hold on too long to their company. But you need to understand as a business owner, what does life look like after? What are the things that I've given up? And if you start thinking about that right now, when you've got maybe a year or two years to sell, and you can collect your advisory team, your M&A advisor, me, your wealth advisor, a guy like Bob Rourke, your attorney, your CPA, if you can get that team on board to start looking at the business, really diving in and preparing that company for a sale at some point, you'll be better off. You'll extract more value. So think about why you want to make a move as a business owner and then start taking steps today to accomplish that goal. There's a lot of unknowns. Every business owner wants to sell for a different reason than the ne guy next door, but by and large, it boils down to the fact that you as a business owner have created this enterprise. You've invested the time and the tears and the blood and the sweat and all of it and the money, but how are you going to get out of it? How are you going to capture that value that you've created? And if you wait until you're quote unquote ready to sell, if you wait until you're psychologically or emotionally ready to sell, then you've waited too long and it's too late. Because by that time, you may be disenfranchised with your business. You may be so busy that you just missed a year of your kid's life or a, or a year with your spouse or a vacation that you've always wanted to take. You skip things in life sometimes to work, work in your business. My advice is start today because, and then run it like you're going to own it forever, but be prepared to sell at any moment. You know, and the thing I think that's, that's perhaps missing is having your business built ready to sell. You know, we have all the things and policies and procedures and de-risking and all that stuff. That's just good business. It truly is. And, you know, it's funny. You'll talk to somebody and go, you know, I got an unsolicited offer to buy my business. And you go, how do you know if it's the right price, right? Yeah. You know, and so there's a lot of that going on. You know, I'm thinking about your career at EKSNH. Yeah. You know, 
And is there a, a deal that you were involved with where the business owner did two or three things incredibly right, which really had them selling their company at the top end of statistics for, for that industry? And if so, what did they do that made them stand out? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I had a deal that I worked on recently, or at, at EKSNH, which was a, a large regional accounting firm here in Colorado, the 800-pound gorilla, if you will. So incredible client base, incredible list of businesses. But we did one deal for a company that makes machinery. I mean, they make machinery for a kind of a small-end market. So the business dynamics are they sell a few very expensive items to a few very important customers. That's problematic in selling a business. It's risk, right? But the way that they responded to that business risk was institutionalizing the relationship. So they made it so that the company, who was my client, was so integral to their customers' way of operating that they couldn't extract them. So that relationship between customer, between vendor and customer was so close that when a buyer came in to look at the business, we were able to clearly make a compelling case that they've institutionalized this relationship. Now that's a, that's a specific example on a specific deal, but that concept holds true for every business to the extent that you can create your company in a manner that customers just have to keep coming back. You are thick as thieves in their business. Even if it's a consumer, they got to keep coming back. That's a win. That will be a compelling business proposition. So that's one, institutionalized the relationships. The next thing that they did is they brought their management team into the process of selling the business in advance. And this is the second time I've brought it up, but it is so critical to have that key layer involved in some capacity, understanding that there are commercial considerations and confidentiality stuff, but by in integrating your key management team in the process will create enormous additional value in a business. Because yet again, another buyer coming in, think about this, they're not buying the business for what it did yesterday, they're buying it for what it's gonna to do tomorrow. They need a team in place that knows what they're doing. Almost never does a buyer walk in and buy a company and then fire everybody. That's the big fear, right? It almost never happens because the lifeblood of every organization is that team. So institutionalize the customers, involve the management in the process. And then the last thing is don't short the soft stuff, the feely-mealy part of a business, right? Culture, loyalty, genuine care for one another among your team. And as an owner, you can put that kind of, those kind of cultural planks in place in your company, and it's only going to create value because even after a sale, those people are going to continue to be valuable to that business, loyal to that business, loyal to those relationships that they've built. So institutionalize the vendor-customer relationships, involve the management team, and don't overlook the short, the feely-mealy stuff, the cultural, emotional thing. Well, you know, I, I'm thinking of the business owner out there going like, well, I am the sales team. And I am the CEO and I have all the key relationships. And, you know, you pretty soon you look at it and you go, so you're the business. Yes, I am. <laughs> you know, what advice would you have to that business owner where they wear multiple hats and they can't really leave the business alone because it wouldn't operate without them? That's a, that is probably one of the most common problems we run into, especially amongst smaller enterprises 
And so the advice I would give to those business owners is fire yourself. Fire yourself. Progressively. At a a minimum, at a minimum, work yourself out of a job Mm -hmm. by training up the next person to take on that or hiring those skills. But for every business owner, you got to remember, you're not selling a job. You're selling an enterprise, right? So you got to take the job, your job, you got to take that out of the enterprise so that you can effectively deliver the thing. If you're so involved in the business that if you get hit by a bus, it collapses, guess what? There's not much to sell there. So you've got to pull yourself out of that. You have to. And it's hard. It's hard to let go of those, those strings, those control levers sometimes. It's tough. So yet again, points back to the importance of having a team that you can trust, focusing on things like culture, making sure you've got capable management in place, because that really is your outlet for personal involvement in the business, right? It's your people. You know, it's the, the thing that comes to my mind, you know, is you've got that business owner, he says, I'm basically all the functions and I do have a job. And you go like, but I don't really know how to work myself out of a job. And, yeah. you know, get the right butts in the right seats and that kind of thing. And that's where, you know, bringing on a coach and you go, well, the coach is expensive. And I think about the multiple expansion down yeah. the road and that return on investment for that coach. You know, and I don't, I don't have a particular coach in mind, but I think about a lot of the business owners, you know, they had enough courage to get it started. They mm-hmm. had enough fortitude to keep it running. You know, it's probably 80 plus percent of their net worth. And at some yep. point, they're going to exit the business. They're either going to sell, die, or liquidate. You know, so it's going to go away. And you go, why not make that investment? And I don't think that's a, a well thought out process of what's the return on investment to hire a coach to help you get there. Yeah, that's a really great point. You know, I, I should do some math behind that. And I bet you we've got the data to be able to pull some of that information out. I will say that in my experience, 100% of the time, 100% of the time in deals that I've worked on where the business owner was so deeply and intimately involved in the operations, the value of that business was impaired significantly. And it's not just that the, the value, the business itself is worth what it's worth. But if as a seller, you are integral to creating the value, to making the sausage, so to speak, and then you yank yourself out of there, guess what? It's not worth as much because you're the key man. You're the key player. So if you want to be able to sell that business and go buy a boat or whatever it is that you'd like to do next, you've got to be out of there already. You've got to be out of that business already before you go to market. So it's a hard, it is a hard thing to do, but you have to rip off. You, you have to do it. It's a step that must be taken. Now, the flip side of that is spending money on a coach of some sort, as you mentioned, making that investment early on so that you can work over the course of reasonable time frame to accomplish that goal of getting yourself out of the business, that will be returned to you many, many times over. Think about it, think about it this way. A business that is, let's call a business that generates $2 million in, in net income. That's a nice sized business. That's a great personal income for a sole owner of that company. If that business is going to, but if that sole, if that sole owner is intimately involved in the day-to-day operation of the business and the generation of that net income of $2 million, and then you take them out, $2 million isn't worth as much anymore. The flip side of that, right? You're going to take the owner out and suddenly the business is going to shrink. It just will happen. Flip side of that is if the business owner is already out, they've made a little investment this year in coaching, but the business has shown, it's proven that it can run without that individual 
it'll be worth an additional one to two times more when you go to market to sell it because it sustains itself. You know, I think about the business and I go, cool, I need to go find a coach. And I think there's a clear distinction between a cheerleader. Hey, love what you do. Great guy. Love your clothes. You, you know, kind of thing versus somebody, you know, I think if you're looking for a coach, they've got to be a coach that has industry specific experience, you know, that have taken companies, you know, from A to B and then transact. And so I think for the folks listening out there, you have to spend some time and diligence, you know, because there, it seems like there's a lot of coaches out there mm -hmm. for everything nowadays, mm -hmm. you know, but I think that's really important, you know, for you thinking about your career, yeah. how many companies do you think you've observe come to market and sell through your career so far? Oh, gosh, probably somewhere in the 40 range, about 40 businesses of sizes from as small as a couple million bucks to as high as a couple hundred million. Yeah. The average client that you see come through Raincatcher, how many companies have they typically sold? Usually one. Or actually, usually zero, and we're about to sell the first. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think for the business owner, you know, it's that old thing. When's the last time you did something really yeah. good the first time you did it? And for the acquirer, in many cases, the acquirer has acquired more than one company. Right. And so you're at a strategic disadvantage. Really? You don't know where the mines are. You don't know where the potholes are. You know, the, there's deal fatigue that comes in you know, it can take a long time. And so I, I think about the advantage, you know, for you, you know, maybe compare and contrast from the business owner that's doing one transaction, you know, zero transaction to their first one and their life's work to the acquirer that you're just one more transaction for that acquirer of many. How yeah. would you compare those? Oh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really good analogy, actually. I, I, think you, I think you compared them for me already. I, I, you know, I think about it in terms of, you know, a buyer, who's in many cases, their business is buying businesses. They're professional investors. And even if this is, they're just acquiring a business to operate it themselves, the fact that they have the economic ability to acquire that business as an individual means that they've probably done one or two things already in their past, right? So buyers are going to be experts in the business of buying businesses. As a seller, you're an expert in the business of whatever it is that your company does right? So when a buyer comes to the table and is evaluating your company for sale, they have started their strategic process of how we're going to acquire this business, what we want to pay for it, how we're going to negotiate with this particular seller. They've done all of that diligence and research before they ever contact you. For you as a seller, if you haven't been doing that same level of diligence in advance of selling your business, you will not be able to compete when those conversations become oppositional, which that doesn't mean oppositional doesn't mean unfriendly, but there is an inherent friction in doing a deal. Inherently, you as a seller are trying to get as much money as possible and they as a buyer are trying to pay as little as possible. So you've got oppositional goals inherently, right? But if you've prepared and done your homework and they've prepared and done their homework and you've got a nice advisor to help manage that process, success is highly likely, highly probable. Flip side of that is, if you come as a seller unprepared to the table, or you decide, I can do it on my own. I don't need an advisor. Well, I yeah, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I know this yeah. stuff. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'll, t I'll tell you, we say this flippantly, Bob, but I know you and I 
oh, and, and you in particular, we have got an incredible amount of respect and admiration for the entrepreneur. But let's be honest with ourselves. You know, let's all be good at what we're good at. And, and we've, we've heard the analogy before. When I need surgery on my knee because I play tennis, I'm not going to my tennis coach to get surgery. You mean you don't want me to do that for you this weekend? I'm not going to hire Bob <laughs> to do that for me. No, I'm going to find an expert because mm-hmm. all they do all day every day is knee surgeries. Same thing with selling your business. And the, what's probably going to be the biggest economic transaction in the life of a business owner is selling their company. You said 80% or more of their net worth is tied up in that enterprise. Don't go it alone. Don't do that on your own. Why, why is that? You're doing yourself a disservice, just like the man who represents himself. You know, right? I, he has a fool for a lawyer. You know, I, I think about things that are not known. So I'm Mr. ABC business owner. And I'm going, you know, I know the business extremely well. I know my industry. And so I'm going to go out and do it myself. And you go, yeah, but what about the other buyers or the buyer list that you don't have? The buyers that it may not be shown to. And then you go, oh, by the way, so who's going to marshal all the documents and process and negotiations and the emotional side? So, you know, I think there's a real misunderstanding or lack of appreciation trying to run your company and sell your company at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it's impossible to do that for one thing. It's not impossible, but it's not productive and it's not going to maximize value. I stepped on you a little bit. I apologize, no, Bob, no. but I'm just going to keep on going. There's a, there's a couple of things in that anecdote that you were setting up there. Number one, bringing the buyers to the table is, is not the challenge in a deal. It's really not. With where technology is at today, Buyers have access to businesses and businesses have access to buyers. That's not the problem. The problem is what do you do when a buyer shows up? How do you manage a process if there are multiple buyers interested in your business? How do you decide which one is going to be most likely to close and why? Do you have an understanding of the strategic reason for why these, these, business, these buyers are interested in your company in the first place? Because there might be little nuggets of gold in that information, literal nuggets of gold in that information about the buyers and about how to run a process that you can pull out and add to the value of your business. So bringing the buyers is, is, is probably one of the smallest value add pieces that an effective M&A advisor will do. An effective, a good M&A advisor does that because everybody does that. But an effective M&A advisor also has expertise in understanding and negotiating against the motivations of those buyers and running a process that profiles your company in the, in the best light possible. A qualified advisor also knows when to give and when to take because the negotiation doesn't happen when you start drafting documents, Bob. The negotiation starts on that very first phone call. It really does. So that's one part of it. The other part of it is running a business or trying to sell a business while you're running a business. The advice I give to business owners is that I think I mentioned it a little bit earlier. Run it like you're going to own it forever, but be ready to sell at any time. And selling a business is a major distraction. It is a lot of work. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. It's a lot of behind the scenes effort that occurs even when you're not on the phone with buyers and that sort of thing, there's a ton of, I guess, surface area below the water, so to speak, if you envision an, an iceberg. That's a deal. 
talking to the buyers is the little part that's peeking up. All of the stuff under the water, the financial analysis, the strategic positioning of the business, telling the story, negotiate, running a, a process on, on the right timeline, all of those things are what really add value. So for a business owner who wants to run it themselves, fair enough. There will be buyers there and there will be people that come and knock on the door. But while you're focused on selling the business and while you're taking the time necessary to have all these conversations and conduct financial analysis and respond to due diligence requests, guess what's happening over here to the running of the business? It's suffering. And so while you're focusing on selling the business, the business is suffering. What's happening to value at that time, Bob? You know, and the thing I think that's not really fully appreciated, you know, there's always this push-pull. Well, how much does it cost to sell my business? X, whatever it costs. And you go, how much does it cost to sell or how much are you going to receive for your business if your revenue drops 10% during the negotiating period because you took your eye off the ball? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking they don't equate. No, sir. You know, no, and, sir. and, you know, and it's... It sounds sort of self-serving, I suppose, in my conversation, but, you know, looking at folks to go, you know, you want your business to be polished up with all the value drivers in the right place. You know, and I, I think about the business owner back to what we talked about earlier. When do you know when it's time to sell? And, you know, I talked to a lot of business owners and I go, what does post-sale look like to you? Yeah. And usually you get, well, I haven't really thought about that a lot. You know, unless you're an engineer and then they've thought about it a lot, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think about the business owner, a really key component is what's your vision for post-sale life look like? What do you observe when you're talking to business owners with respect to vision? You know, it's, it's funny. More often than not, I get the same answer that you get. And it's, I don't really know. You know, I just, I feel like it's time to get out or do something mm-hmm. different, but it's kind of a blank hole. And so I found a couple of different things. Number one, a lot of business owners, when they think about selling their business, it's because they want out of the business. It's not because they're looking forward to what's next. If that's the case, that's problematic. That means that you waited too long, probably, to start the conversation. So that goes back to the first comment at their first question at the beginning. You know, what's the one thing? Start early. So, so that's point one. Point two is even when business owners come and and start the process of selling their business, very often what they think it's going to look like at the beginning differs greatly than what it looks like by the time that you get to the end. I'll tell you a quick story to to unpack that. I had a seller that came to us and a very valuable business had done an incredible job of building his business. It was probably worth, call it 40 million bucks. And this particular seller's idea was that he wanted to sell the business, take $40,000, put it in his bank account and, you know, then spend the rest of his life having fun, spending that money. Our response to that was, well, Mr. Seller, you've done such a great job of building this business. What value is there to a buyer if you just pack up and leave the day that it closes? Number one might raise some warning flags. They'll be thinking, golly, is this business at risk now? Or is this guy leaving for a reason that we don't know about? So that reduces value because it introduces risk. Likewise, If this business owner is so confident that he's built a great company, why does he want to take all of the money out? That's problematic as well and raises red flags and introduces risk. By the time we got to the end of the process with this business owner, we had not only accomplished getting him 25% more in enterprise value for that company, but likewise, once he had an opportunity to interact with some of the buyers that we marketed the business to, he decided, A, 
I'm prepared to reinvest in the company. And he did so. And that reinvestment is now worth almost as much as what he pulled out the first time. But he also decided, B, that in talking about his business so much with buyers, he had a renewed sense of excitement about the opportunity in front of him. And he ended up staying on as CEO and has continued to run that company for a few more years now. So the starting place was, I want out of my business and I want $40 million. The ending place was, you've got your $40 million and you still own 20% of this company and now you've got a strategic partner to help you take it to the next level. And if you can hang in there for a few years, you're going to have another $40 million at the end of that. Now, it doesn't always work out that way, Bob, but that's a great example of how sometimes as business owners, we step into a process without knowing what the end will look like. And if we're not open to change, if we're not open to other influences and other ideas throughout that process, we're going to limit ourselves. We're going to limit our outcomes. So it's yet again, walking through that evolution with business owners, with entrepreneurs is so much fun. It is just so much fun to be a part of that process. And our job as, as, as advisors is not to tell business owners what the right thing is to do. It's to provide you with all the information, with all the facts. It's to understand your motivations and then give good advice give good advice on how to create the outcomes that you really want to create. And I just, man, I can't get enough of it. I really you know, can't get enough of it. You know, you're a fan of business owners. I own a few businesses myself. Yes, I you do. One business. And, you know, and I'm a fan of the business owners always have been, you know, kind of thing. And, you know, I, I think about the business owner that's listening. He said, you know, I'm fascinated by the narrative that you've just shared. You know, how do they find you on social media? Sure. Well, so social media, we are a, a tech-enabled business broker. So we're all over social media. I'm not sure if we're on Instagram yet. That one, we haven't quite identified the strategic business case for that one, but they can visit our website, first of all, raincatcher.com, one word, R-A-I-N-C-A-T-C-H-E-R.com. My whole team is all over LinkedIn. We've got a massive presence on LinkedIn. We've got a strong presence on Facebook as well. Um, but really go to the website. Go to the website. If you want to reach out to me personally, LinkedIn is going to be the way to go. And then all of our contact information is publicly available. We exist to serve businesses. So there is no shortage of, of opportunity to get a hold of us. Well, you know, and, and we'll have all the contact information in the show notes as well. Aaron, do you have any parting wisdom or advice for the, uh, for the business owner? Yeah. You know, I'll go back to the very start, Bob, and, and reiterate, you know, the one piece of advice that I could give to any business owner out there is start the process early. Get your advisory team in place. Think about the end. Don't wait for the moment that you're ready to get out. Think about what's next. Think about what's after, but start the process early. And if you do that, it's only going to create economic value for you. It'll be worth the investment. It'll be worth the time. It'll be worth the discomfort of having hard conversations with your M&A advisor or your wealth advisor or your attorney. It will be worth it, but start today. Awesome advice, Aaron. Hey, thank you so much for your time and, and sharing your thoughts with us. Thank you, Bob. It's been great to be here. Look forward to the next one. You betcha. All right, my man. Take care. 